Welcome, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Renegade Trade Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, skeptic, and listing agent with Keller Williams. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDA is a local real estate investment business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group is about networking and doing deals. It's saying your grandma's Rhea, folks. No guru sales from the front, no smell of Bengay, stale coffee, and or disappointment. RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with interesting people and we have fun conversations for your entertainment and hopefully education. If you enjoy this podcast, hook a brother up, go on iTunes, rate and review, type something nice out if you like it. If you don't like it, carry on. I understand. If you're ever interested in attending any of the local meetings, go to renegadedetroit.com or meetup.com forward slash renegadedetroitinvestors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess and same on Instagram at Jeremy Burgess. All right, legal disclaimer. In no way, shape, or form should anything that I and or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment decision or decisions, you contact a lawyer and or other licensed professionals. Be an adult. Don't fucking sue me. All right. Time for the Renegade Troy Investors Show Quote a Week, where I pick a quote that sets the tone for the podcast, also for the guest, and hopefully you are weak, and I stole this one from my guest. I will persist until I succeed. O.G. Mandino. Did I get that right? Og Mandino. Og Mandino. Jesus, I'm terrible at that. Let me introduce you to my guest. Mr. Grant Warrington, and I'm going to pick my way through. He has this beautiful bio here. So around 2004, he was up to three rentals, and he obviously paid way too much for them. Uh, he was trying to be a friendly landlord with tenants on him around five grand and a bankruptcy. He knew he'd get into real estate again, but he needed a lot of personal growth. 2011, with the help of God, he quit drinking, and that's where his life slowly started to change. 2014, he made his, met his beautiful wife and partner, who I was actually trying to get on the podcast, so <laughs> maybe next time. Next time you see her, for sure, maybe say, hey, you know, it'd be great to have you on the podcast. I could apply peer pressure, too. 2014, they bought their first rental property, and his wife moved in with her, to the condo, created a second rental and they got stuck. No more money and no idea how to grow. Um, anyway, by the end of 2015, his wife acquired a one single family rental, a duplex, a triplex, bringing a total count to eight. And he decided to get his real estate license and more aggressively pursuing his deals. That's right around the time uh, you met Josh Sterling, right? Or was that 2016? Correct. Yeah, yeah, right in there at some point. Yep. Yeah, everybody knows Josh Sterling on this thing. Uh, anyway, I guess, uh, one of the claim to fame is I got to wholesale you a house on O'Connor as well. Correct. Yeah. So in 2016, him, he and his wife had purchased three additional single family rentals, bring it up to 11. They secured these properties by partnering with three separate investors who purchased the houses and we funded all repairs. Very creative. The average turnaround time from acquisition, rehab and return of investors capital with interest was six and a half months. It's pretty good turnaround time too. Thanks. Uh, during an inspection of our Connor house, I told the city inspector we we're looking to buy multifamily housing and asked if he knew anyone selling. He gave me a woman's name who owns a lot of real estate. She turned me on to the owner of the 20 unit we just purchased, which is so cool. So from that house. In March 2017, they came to the conclusion that in order to scale up faster, they would need to invest in apartment complexes. 
they made decision to halt all further investment in single family units and learn as much as they could about apartment syndication. And uh, obviously, this leads to 2018. You took position of director of operations for Epic Property Management Company, which is awesome. And you currently oversee the operations of 736 total units containing 10 apartment complexes, with the largest being 144 units ranging from southeast Michigan to northern Ohio. We do things in Ohio. We can pump them for money. Correct. Right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, we mine money from Ohio. That's okay. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Ohio. We appreciate your money. Grant does anyway, right? <laughs> and all their investors appreciate yeah. your money. Correct. Um, and it was during this time that they purchased their first 20-unit apartment complex. All negotiations and document deliveries were done in the seller's liquor store, which is awesome. And uh, we go here down to the end. You're currently stabilizing your 20-unit apartment and planning out your next steps, which is awesome. If you want to reach out to Grant, super simple. Go to bluerockcapital.net, or you can send him an email, grant at bluerockcapital.net. Thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Thanks for having me. I've been uh, looking forward to this for a long time. Well, I'm going to pick a fight right off the bat. Who is the first person <laughs> to ask you to be on a podcast? You. Okay. Yes. I just wanted you, to say it out loud. You win. You win the fight. You're correct. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then, didn't you win? Did everybody else's podcast? That's all right. Oh, I'm going to let it go. <laughs> I just told Gina I'd give you a hard time about it. Oh, God, you, I deserve it. I deserve <laughs> That's it. okay. Sorry, Gina. <laughs> it's actually been fun watching you and your lovely wife because you're one of the few people, most people like ease their way into it. And I just remember when I first met you, it was almost like you made the decision and just did it. And I'm not I'm not trying to, to – I know it was a lot more than just making the decision. But from the outside looking in, that's kind of what it looked like. You were committed immediately, at least from my perspective. Yeah, correct. We um, – like you said, yeah, I, I think we acquired 11 units in two years. Yeah. So we kind of just uh, burned the boats and decided we're going to do this. Uh, we we asked for advice on how to do it. We went to meetings. We met people like you and, and you guys – told us what to do to become successful. And for some reason, we just followed it. Um, you know, I didn't know that people don't uh, follow advice that's given. No. I just blindly yeah. followed it. And I, I didn't know that that was not the norm. So that's basically what happened. And, you know, reading, when you read that bio, it hearing you read it, it, it sounds so simple. But yeah, believe me, it was not. It was a struggle um, to, to get that far. And uh, yeah, we're... Uh, Monique and I, who's, you know, Monica Warrington's my wife and, uh, you know, she's a huge part of this business. She's not here today, but, uh, she's out there, uh, grinding at the apartment building today. So yeah, she's hustling. That's why she's not here today. I was only giving her a little bit of crap. She'll be on the next podcast. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. She got, they got too many units, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go back to losing. Cause this is what I like. I, I met many people who have gotten mm -hmm. into real estate suffered some sort of catastrophe, a mistake, economy, divorce, something, right? Something puts them out of the game, right? Yep. yep. And you got knocked out of the game. Oh, yeah. And then you had to get back into the game. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit, just so I encourage people all the time, because it happened to me. It seems to be, to a certain extent, a rite of passage, right? Yeah, sure. So let's talk about that a little bit. Explain what was going on and the mistakes you made. 
Well, you know, when I first started, uh, I was early 20s. I bought uh, Carlton Sheets' tapes. You know, you might know who he is. Some people might not if they're a little younger. But um, I I just was interested in real estate and uh, I wanted to I wanted to own it. Didn't know a lot about it. Um, So what I did was. Um, you know, a few years later, early two thousands, and I always say they're giving out mortgages and I took three of them. Um, so what I did was I, I bought way too high. I bought with no knowledge. Um, I had read the books. Um, I, 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 I just did some things I shouldn't have done, you know, and looking back now it, it was foolish. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I learned a lesson. So I, I thought, you know what, I'll, I, when I do this, I'm going to be kind of the friendly landlord. I, I'm going to help people out. Maybe around Christmas, I'll give them a break on rent. Um, just some kind of things like that, you know. And what happened was a few years later, everybody owed me $5,000. Um, you know, it, it was really unfortunate. And I had to give those properties back. I had to declare bankruptcy. Uh, the the good thing was it was only me in all those deals. Uh, no one else had any a dime invested in it. Um, I tried to save it. I, I took a home equity out on my personal house, which I just paid off a few years ago. So I, that, that has come, yeah. come through with me through the whole process. Um, but, uh, you know, I tried, did everything I could. Um, I, I gave them back in great, uh, condition and, um, that was it. I, I was done, but I, I always knew I'd get back into it. Um, but that was such a tremendous experience. Now looking back, I, I would never change it. It, you know, it's tough to talk about. It's tough to talk about a few things in my in my past, but uh, you know, I made the decision. Hey, this is my story, and you know, I, if it can help people, um, it's it's mine to share. So you know, I, I don't really hide anything. Like I said, it's sometimes it's it's difficult to talk about, but um, you know, I, I hope it helps people. I hope people uh, really get educated before they make uh, decisions like I did in the past. I find the older I get, the less judgmental I get because the more shit I fuck up and then I realize how easy it actually is to do that, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, you're right. When I was young, I was so hard on myself and everybody else for those same things. Like I beat myself up. Do you spend any time feeling sorry for yourself? Like I did after I ruined everything or, you know, um, skip it. I did. No, no. I, and I, I'll tell you the truth. It was such relief. I was, uh, it, it mentally and physically wore me out trying to do this. Um, you know, I, I was, and taking care of myself. I, I, like I said, I, I, you know, I quit drinking in 2011. Thank God with the help of God I did. But back then my personal life wasn't, wasn't right. My, um, but I I was breaking out because I was worried about this. My, my face, I mean, I I had a lot going on and stress with this. So when the bankruptcy came, it was, um, it was more of a, wow, I'm, I'm out. And, like that, lancing a boil, like, Oh, it's done. It, it was. Off. So, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't, I was, it was just like, I could breathe again. And, um, you know, and that, so, so it was a little different for me. I was like, wow, I, uh, I can, you know, I, I felt like I was, it was killing me. So I, I was pretty happy. I did everything I could to try and keep it. And then finally, when I just came to the realization, this is it. Um, yeah, I felt a lot better. So mm. that's interesting. And, and you bring up, I had, a big problem with the drinking when I was young. Turns out I need those three or four inhibitions I have mm-hmm. and I make terrible, terrible decisions <laughs> when I don't. Yeah. And it's funny because I had what I call was a moment of clarity, mm. right? Yep. And I was in the Navy and I was walking from my dorm room. Well, I don't know, they call them barracks, but they're kind of like dorm rooms, right? It's your barracks, your shitty little one room you share with somebody else. Yep. Getting ready to walk to the boat and I had this flash that I could – blink my eyes and be doing this 20 years later. 
And just that moment that I could be stuck doing this thing for another 20 years was enough to terrify me finally into some sort of action. And ironically, it was like two months after my 21st birthday. So, and it plagued me for like five or six years. I came really bad background, all that. It literally ruined my life for a long, (laughs) long time. And then I just had that one moment and I don't know where it came from. And, and that's exactly what 20 years later, I just saw what I, I could be doing this 20 years from now. And I'd be like, no. So what was yours like? Was it like that sudden realization or was it slowly or how did you come to terms with it? Mine, I, I think in my 20s, um, you know, I, I it's probably the same thing, but I, I think it slowly progressed. I had a really good job and I had that good job for about 23 years. I, I made a a great living. It was blue collar construction. Um, I was happy. That's, you know, followed my father's footsteps and he had a great career. Um, so I was happy, but, uh, for some reason I always wanted more and, and I knew that I'm going to need to do something different. So I think mine probably took a little bit longer, but I knew there was something there I needed to change. I knew I could, uh, um, add some value to people. I knew I could help people in um in some way shape or form and I'm I'm still trying to come to realize maybe what that is maybe uh by helping people um you know achieve their financial um uh freedom number 2 or or something like that um but yeah I think over time I I knew that you know I I need to change something I like you I didn't want to do that forever I didn't want to work as hard as I could until I was uh 55 or 60 and then retire um you know I was naive to think that I should be living the way I want to live right now. Um, naive is right. It's funny you say that. That really nailed like it's like almost like a fantasy that you can keep doing it forever, right? Yeah. And, and if you just keep doing it forever, you'll eventually get what you want. It, yeah. it is like a fantasy. Yeah. Correct. That's actually a better way of saying it. Naive. It's like, and then yeah. like, I will like, wait a second. This yeah. is not real. Yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be doing this in 20 years and hate myself then too. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. That's a perfect way to say that. Was it? challenging for you like for me it was i was younger so it was a little easier i just broke all my bonds with everybody i used to go drinking and drugging Mm -hmm. with and that was a little easier i was i wasn't so much professional or anything like that what was it like for you at the stage you were in um you mean like quitting drinking wise or whatever like moving forward making amends that kind of shit yeah so mine was um you know ever since i was about 18 i i knew it was inevitable um you know, so when 2011 kind of hit, I was kind of hit with the reality of, um, I, I didn't have any issues really. I, um, on the outside I was, I was fine, but my one, mine was more health related. I, you know, I, I knew that like, if I'm not going to make it to 40, if I continue. So that was big for me. So basically I had two choices. I could either stop and, um, and continue living my life or I run the risk of not. I mean, I, I really felt that bad inside. So that was a, a big factor. So, um, you know, I, in 2011, I knew it was time. So I eventually just did it. And, um, you know, I, I still kept the same friends, kept doing all that. But over time, you're, you know, you're, um, what you do and your, your interests kind of shift and deviate and things like that. So you just, you just kind of separate, which kind of is unfortunate, but it just, um, you know, you, you go on your different path. I'm more real estate focused. I, you know, I, 
talk real estate. I talk goals. I talk uh, things like that. My wife and I, Monique and I, and the same as you. And and those are the conversations we have now. And you know, you you find yourself now around more real estate focused yeah. people, and it's just the way it is. Um, but we we've, we've met some fantastic people along the way. Dude, that's awesome. So, all right. So, 2011, you're bankrupt. Yep. Getting your life back together. 2007, we were bankrupt. Bankrupt. Yep. Yep. Getting your life yep. back together. Yep. Starting to pile stuff up, right? Yep. You obviously learned you couldn't do it the way you had done it before. Correct. Right? So, walk me through that process. Because really what I want people to hear is if they've done this too. Mm-hmm. That if they hear how you got back on track, they might be encouraged to get back on track themselves too. So, yeah. And again, I'm going to have to say, you know, I, I don't uh, talk about a lot of that, like my quitting drinking and things like that, but I, I feel that it, you know, if it could help people, what a tremendous thing yeah. to share. So, you know, I remember thinking, uh, oh, how's my life going to change? You know what I mean? Um, believe me, it can dramas- uh, dramatically. So, like mine has. Um, so in 2011, I, I stopped, um, I stopped drinking, but you know, you still need personal growth. And that's what I focused on was personal growth. Um, I tried to grow as an individual, um, and, and that happened and that led me to meeting my wife. Um, and that was in 2015 and I never would have met her if, if I wouldn't have made that decision, the best decision I ever made, uh, brought me to her. Um, so then the the great thing is she told me one of her dreams is to own a 10 unit apartment building. Oh man, you got Yeah. Man. So how ironic. Um not a perfect. I love it. Just yeah. right out of the gate like, "Hey, man, how's it go? We should get a 10 unit apartment." Yeah, well, and you know, I I actually picked her up. She went to a real estate conference um and this is when we first started dating. I picked her up after the conference. Um and it, it was just ironic. And I showed her all my real estate books. You know, I probably had uh, 15 or 20 of them uh, since I was 20, you know, acquiring them over the years. And uh, it just was almost like it was meant to be. So we decided, well, why don't we buy a um, a rental property together? And that was in November of 2014. I started looking. I found bigger pockets. So I dove into that every day, all, you know, all night I was on bigger pockets, reading, learning, started reading books. So that was the big difference from what I did previously. Previously, um, I had some money. They were giving out mortgages. It was simple to get into it. Um, so this time I thought I'm going to gain knowledge first before I make any big mistakes. It occurred to me that some of the millennials listening, which is actually a fair amount. It's about like right around 30% millennials. They're not going to believe that they just gave out mortgages to everybody, but they really did from 2004 through the like half beginning to halfway through 2008, depending on where you were in the country, they literally gave mortgages to anybody with a pulse. It's not a joke. He's not exaggerating. No doc, no income, just sign. Like that really did happen. So people are like, how did they ever just give money to anybody? Why would they do that? They did. It's a bad idea, but they did it. Yeah. And you know, it was funny. I, I, right before I made the decision to declare bankruptcy, I paid, um, I sent a half payment in and you know, they called me and said, uh, we don't accept half payments. Um, and I said, well, listen, in oh, another week, I'll be able to send you the rest of it. Just keep it. Um, and she said, we don't accept half payments. We, you know, we made this decision. Um, you know, you have your personal house and three rentals, you own four houses. We made this decision, uh, that you should be able to pay this. And I said, well, you made a mistake. 
you really did. You made a mistake. And they said, well, we're sending your your payment back. And I said, uh, well, then that's fine. Then it's over. And at that point I was like, okay, that was the decision. But I mean, I, I could tell right then they made a big mistake they here thinking I, I can support four houses on my, uh, you know, my payments were on a thousand dollars a piece. Um, yeah, even if you're making good money, that hurts. That's a lot. So, you know, I, right then I thought, man, there, there's something wrong here. Especially if you got tenants not paying you, then it like starts to double hurt. It was right? really bad. Yeah. All right. <coughs> How did you buy your first rental once you got back in after you got wiped? That's like, I want to talk through that first one, like getting back on that horse, right? Yeah. We, what we did was um, we found a property. It's, it was actually, four blocks over from our house, maybe five. I mean, it's that close to us. We still own it. And, um, we put 5% down. My wife was going to live in it at the time and, uh, you know, live in it. Right. So, uh, <laughs> so she, uh, she'd made the decision. Well, maybe I won't move in there. Maybe we'll just make it a rental. Um, and, and that's what we did, but yeah, we only put 5% down. Um, the rest, Went, we got a mortgage on it. The rest went towards uh, rehab. It was a lot of rehab. Um, so we learned a lot on that. But after we were done, um, she decided to move in with me, like I said. And she had a condo she owned, and she owned that free and clear. Um, so now we had two rentals, but that was it. We were out of money. We rehabbed the first one, the Marion house. And we were out of money, had no idea how to grow. Uh, really, we had we had no idea what to do next, and that's where we were at. We were really stuck. That happens at some point, no matter how much money you have, you run out. Right? Yeah, correct. How did you solve this problem, sir? Well, we again decided, you know, we need to educate ourselves. There's there's got to be an answer out there. And listening to uh, bigger pockets and and podcasts and different things, we we thought there's got to be an answer. So we started going to local uh, real estate meetups. And one day I went to a meetup. It was late. You know, I'd work late and I thought, well, I'm still going to go. And Monica wasn't feeling the best. So she's like, I'm, I'm just going to sit this one out. So I said, all right, I went by myself. And so I go to this meetup and there's a younger guy there. Um, he's in a hoodie and he's just, you know, kicked back at the table. And there's about, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 older people you know, more successful looked to me, people standing around him, um, trying to get his attention and, and talk to him. So I thought, wow, who, who is this guy, you know, that everybody wants to talk to? I need to talk to him. And turns out it was Josh Sterling. So, I mean, that worked out really good for me. Um, so I asked him if maybe he'd want to go grab a coffee and we met on a Saturday and, um, you know, I just picked his brain like, Hey, what do you suggest? And, you know, Josh, for anyone that doesn't know him has owns a lot of real estate and he did back then as well. Um, you know, he probably owns four times as much now. Um, and maybe even more than that, but, um, you know, he said, well, here, here's these five things. And I, I don't remember exactly what they are. He told me this, uh, years later we were talking, um, he gave me five things. Hey, here, here's five things to accomplish. Just like if you ask anyone successful, you know, what do I need to do? They're going to, they're going to tell you what you need to do. It's your job to listen and to do it. Um, so he gave me five things to do and I was naive enough to do them. And I, you know, I knew his time was valuable, so I didn't want to take it up. So after I accomplished those things, I would call him back and say, Hey, just to let you know, I took care of, did those things, blah, blah, blah. Or, um, if we happen to, um, 
purchase another house. I, I would call them then. Um, I, I only wanted to call him when there was activity going on because I didn't want to take his time up. He was adding so much value to me that I, I knew how important his time was. Um, but one of the things he told us was we needed to get three houses free and clear, three or four. We could only do, um, we could do three. And so what we did was we took on a ton of crazy debt, you know, as everybody calls it, we took out credit cards with 0% interest, personal loans. Um, we actually had a family member that said, um, Hey, we'll, we'll lend you money on one of them. Um, that was the O'Connor house, Jeremy, that we actually bought from you. Mm, awesome. Um, so I mean, and, and here's the value of these meetups. I met, I met you at a meetup, um, years ago and, you know, we're still friends to this day and we're both growing in this business and, and that's how exciting these meetups are. Um, so we got these three f- free and clear and, uh, we got a blanket loan on them and that's what Josh told us to do. So we paid off some of the crazy debt and we now had $125,000. So I thought, Hey, we're real estate investors now, you know, it's over. I don't need to be uncomfortable <laughs> anymore. This is it. This was fun. You know, great. Let's keep moving forward. And, um, you know, and it was uncomfortable to get to that point because, you know, with that bankruptcy, I decided I'm only going to pay cash from now on. No more debt, no yeah. more anything. So when I took that, uh, Monique and I made that decision um, to take on that debt, it was, um, I, I really had to change my mindset and, you know, that there's good debt and bad debt, you know, and good debt, you know, purchases assets. Um, so that was an uncomfortable situation. Um, the blanket loan, you know, uh, that was uncomfortable, but you know, once, once we got it and like I said, we have the 125,000 and I'm thinking this is it. Well, then Josh said, well, hang on a second. (laughs) You really can't buy and rehab three houses, not where you want to buy them and not to the rehab you want to do. Uh, with $125,000. And I thought you're right. Cause we were looking at the numbers going, how are we going to do this? You're so short. probably we're short, short. house, right? Yeah, we were. So, cause we needed to do it again. We needed three more free and clear. So what he said was now you need to get investors. Uh, they need to buy the house for you and you know, you guys pay for the rehab. And that's what we did. The, the good news was that I, I didn't really realize it, but we already had investors lined up from going to these meetups. We, we met a ton of people, um, and they had watched us grow and seen what we were doing and saw that we were being, we were successful at it and we were doing what we said we would do. And, uh, we really already had the investors lined up. We just reached out. To, I remember one of them saying to me, uh, just in passing, we were talking about something and he said, uh, you know, I, I'd lend you money if you ever needed it. And uh, we, <laughs> we, we both probably know who he is. I think I you do, were, yeah. you were with him, I think yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Um, so that's I, exactly how you would say it too, which is just hilarious. <laughs> out of the he blue. has a particular way of speaking. Yeah. And, and I knew him for two years and my goal was to get to that point with him. And I, and I always thought, I don't want to ever ask him because he's a, he's still a pretty big deal to all of us. I mean, in this space, he's a, I greatly respect his opinion. And, um, so when he said that just casual in passing, you know, I, I thought, wow, um, so Doing something right. Yeah, that's what I thought. So he, uh, he lent on one of our houses and, uh, we had two more and then we did the same process over again. 
repeatable process too is what I'm hearing. Correct. Josh put you on a path to, to a repeatable process that would actually get you where you wanted to go. I like how you came up short and you had to figure out a way around that too. That's so realistic. Yeah. That shit happens all the time. You're trying to make something happen and you come up short and you got to be creative and get another way to, to make it happen. So you're working through all this, but kind of at the same time, you and Josh Sterling are kind of creating a pretty good relationship, right? Because we're building up to what I thought was like one of the coolest things ever from ever attending all these meetings and that eventually you guys started working together on stuff, right? Well, yeah. Um, no, no deals in particular we ever came together on, but, um, you know, fast forward to, uh, 2017, Josh and I had a, uh, like I said, I, I valued his time. The great thing was we'd, um, excuse me, we, excuse me, we'd go to, uh, meetups every month and I would drive. I, I thought, well, I, that, that's the least I can do to add some value to him. So I'd pick him up. We'd drive to a meetup, whether it was uh renegade Detroit or, um, you know, a Metro Detroit, uh, meetup. Uh, both of those groups are on Facebook. Uh, fantastic groups. I love the Metro Detroit yeah. meetup too, and the Metro Detroit group. That's and like the Renegade. Yeah, <laughs> and um, so we we'd go, and so well, actually, twice a month, really, um, for both of them. And I'd pick his brain the whole time, and he'd just talk, and I would just listen, and it was uh, so valuable. So that, that's how we kind of established our relationship um, over the years and became friends. Um, but if you fast forward to late. I think it was uh, December 1st, 2017. Um, I'd kind of gotten into a situation at work where I just viewed something a little differently than my boss did, um, just with on my personal beliefs and things like that. And um, they saw it a separate way. And, you know, I was the employee. So you know how that feels when you, yep. you, you got a job. So it was uncomfortable. And my boss was getting ready to... Uh, I was waiting for him to show up and we were going to have a talk and, you know, it's just like any job um, you have. And, you know, right then as I'm sitting there contemplating life and like, oh man, what, you know, what am I doing? And, you know, Josh sent me a text just out of the blue. I hadn't talked to him in a while and it was just real ironic at that point in my life. And he sent me a text and it was a picture of a check and it said, it was a, the check was for $640,000 and it said my biggest check to date. And instantly I knew this is it. I'm done. I need to leave here. I, I got to move on. Um, I didn't know what the answer was, but I knew I was gone at that moment. Um, you know, I, I believe life kind of pushed me in that direction and, and showed me, um, at that moment in time that I'm in the wrong spot. And I think it was 45 days later, I was working for Josh as a director of operations for uh, Epic Property Management. And uh, it's 770 units uh, as of today that um, I'm, I oversee. And 10 apartment buildings, like you said, with the largest being 144 units. So uh, just what a tremendous uh, learning experience this has turned into. Yeah, and I knew him when he had two. Yeah. What the fuck have I been <laughs> yeah. doing for all these it's, years? That's that's what so many people say. Yeah, yeah, I know what I've been doing. I've been paying back that. I fucked it up bad on the second <laughs> one. You know, never go so far you put yourself out of the game. It's harder to get back in the game. That's actually yeah. something I'm going to talk about on another podcast. But yeah, he kept himself busy. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. Well, that repeatable process too. You seem. The process guys who are aggressive, man, they like, he's a process. I don't want to throw out genius, but yeah, 
Kinda. Yeah, for real. Kinda, right? Like, not actually, maybe not even kinda, really. Yeah, no, he is. He intimately understands the processes of real estate in a way and at a much higher level. And I think the results obviously show it. And then you throw in his drive and 771 units later. Yeah. And what, 10 years? Yeah, about 10, I think he's been in. Which is fucking ridiculous. That's like, I know it didn't happen 100 units. 35 or 34? 70 70 units a year. Yeah. When you ask about what's possible, you know, and so now you're working with him. What this is, this part I think is cool because obviously now he trusts you to start helping him make some of these decisions, right? Correct. So let's talk about some of your responsibilities at your job and the things you have to do and what your day looks like doing those things because even I don't know what those are. I mean, I don't talk to Josh that often. Yeah. So what I do is I hand, I handle, we have, um, you know, a director of administration and I'm the director of operations. So that's a beautiful thing. Josh has put two people in higher positions. Um, so I don't handle really any of the tenant issues unless it escalates. Um, so what I do is I, I'll handle any, uh, major rehabs. Like if, uh, someone purchases a house and wants us to do the rehab, you know, I'll handle it, um, from lining up the contractor, typing up the scope of work, um, and, uh, you know, rehabbing the house, uh, whether it's Josh's personal house, he still buys single families and we do these on, uh, or, uh, an investor. I handle that. I handle, uh, we have three full-time maintenance guys. We have a property manager and a assistant uh, project manager, sorry, and I handle all of them. Um, so I, I make sure everything runs smoothly on the maintenance side. And also uh, what we do a lot of now too is we are rehabbing these apartment buildings. So we bought a lot of apartment buildings over the, over the last year here. And so we're ripping out cabinets. We're, we're doing the same thing that uh, flippers really do or people that flip to themselves. Uh, in the single family space, we're doing that in apartment units. So uh, again, I'll do the same thing. Um, you know, type up the scope of work, line up the contractor, oversee the work. And, um, you know, that, that's kind of my operation of it. So any kind of, um, you know, maintenance or uh, deferred maintenance that needs to be done on a property, whether it's a roof, whether we need to, uh, tile all the floors in apartment buildings, uh, uh, we're changing out 12 doors, putting in commercial doors on another apartment uh, building. I'm I'm involved in all aspects of that. Um, also getting city certs for all these properties we manage. That's fun. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's <laughs> Gotta interesting. Do it, though. Yeah, Gotta do it. yeah, and, and it is. It, it's just the nature of the beast. Yep. And um, you know, so I I oversee all that. But luckily, we have a team in place. Um, so I'm not uh, you know down in the trenches on every single one of those items. Um. But yeah, it's a lot of work. Um, you know, that's for sure. Yeah. It doesn't come easy. 771 units though. How do you divide your day up? Like between that, like, do you structure your day in a particular way? Like I do this from eight to 10 or like, I'm just, maybe I'm just intimidated by the number in my head or something. Like I just imagine your phone and the text and the email, like all the time going constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And constantly, uh, the nice thing, you know, like you said with Josh, um, he's got a checklist. So, you know, checklist for everything. He's a pilot. So, I mean, that's how he grew up and learned how to do things. So that just transferred over to his business. Um, so I have a daily checklist of things that I'll go through. Um, and then I have my personal to-do list. 
um, that I keep track of what I need to accomplish that day. Um, and then everything else that comes in, which, you know, tends to be a lot if you're in property management or own properties, uh, well, more so if you're in property management, there are things that come up every day that uh, there is no cut and dry answer to. There's no yes or no or do this. It's, oh boy, let me think about that for a minute. Um, there's a lot of that. So I handle a lot of that that comes in too. But, you know, with the checklist, with the uh, with my personal to-do list, um, that really helps out, you know, and that that is so it's not so overwhelming. Um, but you know, the, the more you work in that space, you know, we manage like a, yeah, 770 units. It's, we just put on the 144 unit, um, maybe a month ago. Now it just makes it that much easier in my personal life. You know what I mean? Like this 20 unit we closed on, um, we just, we, we just took over 144 units the other day. So man, when we closed on this 20 unit, we were hitting the ground running. I mean, when we signed those papers, I called the broker on the way to the building. We uh, let him know, hey, we might sell this one day. Just FYI, I, I like doing that. Let him know this is a possibility. But uh, we had a stopple agreements. We knocked on all the tenants' doors. We uh, changed the locks that weekend. Um, you know, we hit the ground running. It's you know, and and that's the 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 value I get from uh, you know working for Epic Property Management um, and trying to add value to the company as well. So that's something I've trying to been to push more, right? Mm -hmm. So after I screwed up and I had to go and do everything again, I decided I needed to – the best way to learn would be to go work for someone else, which is how I ended up working for Steve Landau and yep. amazing wholesaler. Yeah, for sure. Amazing closer specifically. Still the best closer in person. I've ever seen. And people are like, are you exaggerating? I'm like, no, no, there's a <laughs> lot a of things guy. Steve sucks at, but <laughs> let me tell you what he could do. Dude could close. I went on appointments with him for a year. He closed 50% of his appointments. Wow. Wow. I mean, I just, I was Impressive. at my best and I'm pretty good and I'm not just bragging, but at my best, I was like 33 to 35%. Wow. And he would go and That's smash good. half of them. Like didn't matter what the day was. And then when I wanted to do something else, I went and worked for Joe and learned some, Joe Delia and oh, learned yeah. something else. So you went to work for Josh Sterling, and yes, it's a job, and yes, you're helping somebody else accomplish their dream, and it's also benefiting you to accomplish yours. I think some of these real estate investors think the only way I can do it is on my own, and if I'm working for someone else – like this anti-job, anti-boss, anti-learning from anybody. It's got to be me, me alone. And I love the fact that you went and worked for him. And, and to your point, made the 20 units a lot simpler, right? Oh, for sure. Consider maybe working for somebody else if you don't know what you're doing or you'd like to learn. So obviously someone you would admire who is successful, yep. who knows what they're doing, right? Josh is certainly one of those those people. I sometimes wish I would have gone and done something with them, but I don't think my strengths are in that department yet. I still have a lot more personal growth. My path in some areas is slower than than others and faster in others, but working for someone else, I think, is a great way to learn if you admire them. So, And now you've been working for him, what, a year now? A year, yep, yeah. a year. No regrets, obviously. Right? No, no, yeah. not at all. And And that was the thing. I mean, how can I get into real estate full time? Yeah. Um, my big question the whole time is how can I ma add more value to him? Um, you know, I'm all about adding value and I, I can't 
preach that enough, but I, you know, at my core, that's what I'm trying to do, um, is add value to people. And, you know, he took a chance on me. So I thought, well, how can I add value? Well, here's a great opportunity for me to go to work for him and add value to him, this company. Um, you know, in, in return, one of the great things I think that I have to offer is, um, I own rentals. I've rehabbed them. I, I look at his properties and the ones we manage with an investor's eye and with an owner's eye. And, um, you know, I, I think that really helps me, you know, I'm, I'm in the parking lot picking up papers or if, you know, yeah. I stop by your, your property, uh, to oversee maintenance, um, to, to, you know, see what they're doing for that day. You know, I'm, I'm picking up properties in your, or uh, papers in your front yard, just little things like that. It, it makes a big difference at, uh, you know, people don't really see. So I, I think that's helped me in this space too, is, um, you know, the work he's put in with me, you know, he, he didn't realize it, but, um, you know, he was putting in work for somebody who eventually is going to be one of his employees. So yeah. I, I think we both, uh, it worked out, uh, really well and, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. I, I'm really, like I said, I've learned so much. Um, yeah, it's been a great opportunity. Yeah, Josh Sterling helps a lot of people with no For sure. thought of Still today. return, yep. right? Uh, I think ego keeps a lot of people from doing what you and I have done, right? Correct. Yep. Admit we don't know some things. Go work for someone else and learn those things. Make them as much money as possible so it doesn't feel like it's a one-sided equation, yep. right? Yeah, I think if people could park their egos, that would be better for more people. Maybe not everybody, but but for more people. I want to circle back yep, because there's another string through here that I like, right? So we've talked about the networking. We've talked about your personal growth, right? We're talking about parking your ego and going working for somebody else. But there's a part where you just take action and action just begets more opportunities, right? So I have this wholesale deal. I can't off right? Mm -hmm. um, long story behind why I couldn't off it, but that's neither here nor there. Mm -hmm. And I reach out to Josh Sterling because I know this property is at least where he would buy, right? Yes. He hooks me up with you. I wholesale you this O'Connor property, right? Correct. And from that O'Connor property, walk me through how this, you taking action here led to this 20 unit apartment complex because I didn't forget it when we were talking about it. I wanted to come back to it. I <laughs> yeah. I like that that led to 20 units. The metaphor here I think is beautiful. So walk me through how that happened. Yeah, it was um, – there was actually two properties, two separate occasions. O'Connor was the first one, and that was the one we, we bought from you. Um, but we looked at both. One was a three-unit. O'Connor was a single family, and we walked both of them, and, and we were done. Uh, Josh said, uh, if you want them, you can buy them. And I said, okay, um, I guess we're buying them. So I called Monica and I'm like, hey, we're, we're buying O'Connor. And then a month later, it was three unit. And um, I said, hey, you're, you're probably going to kill me, but I think we should buy this three unit. And she's never missed a beat. She's like, all right, no problem. I think you're going to kill and me. And we didn't have any money to buy it, you know? And she's like, all right, no problem. We'll figure it out. We didn't have the money, but we said, yeah, we'll do it. We'll figure it out. So that's where the crazy debt came into, into place. But, um, back to the O'Connor deal, that's, um, you know, it's just the relationships you, uh, you develop. And I, I was happy to, to work with you, um, on that deal. It, it was a fantastic transaction on that end. The house ended up needed a ton. We got it at a great price. Um, 
had that weird locked bedroom we couldn't get into when we walked it that one time. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. What yeah. was in that bedroom? I always wondered. Was it like chains and shit? Or, no, uh, yeah, nothing, nothing out of control. All right. All it right, was, uh, but it was, uh, it was, it needed a lot. That house. We ended up redoing the wall in the basement. Uh, two walls. Oof. Yeah, we did dig those out. A new roof. Um, it it needed a lot, but I learned a ton on it. Um, luckily, yeah, we only bought it for 20,000. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was, we knew what we were getting into. Um, we knew it needed a lot. And the ironic thing, I, I learned so much on that. And the ironic thing though, was when we were getting the inspection, uh, I was in the basement with the inspector and I, I'd gotten to know him a little bit cause he'd been over there a few times, you know, trying to, we were trying to pass this inspection, nice guy. And I, I happened to mention, mention we were looking for multifamily. And I don't know if it was duplexes or threes or fours or what at that point, we really hadn't made an equip, um, you know, the decision for large multi, but I told him, Hey, we're, we're looking to acquire some more properties and some multifamilies. Um, do you know anybody? And he said, yeah, there's this woman I know, um, give her a call. So I said, all right. I reached out to her then called her. She's in her late seventies and she still works on her own properties and she owns quite a bit of property. And I explained who I was. I'm local. I live in the area. It's my wife and I, and you know, this is what we're looking to do. We're looking to buy something. She turned us on to the seller of the 20 unit. And I, we thought, oh, wow, well, that's a little bit bigger than we were looking (laughs) for, but we thought, you know what, let's, let's just pursue it. So I reached out to him, met him. Uh, we, we talked numbers, we went back and forth a little bit and we just couldn't come to terms on it. Um, and, and that was that situation. So we just kind of put it to rest. Um, you know, nothing negative, but we just kind of figured, well, that was in 2017. We're like, well, we just, just probably not going to be able to come to terms on it. But, um, you know, I, I, I like looking back though, if we hadn't have bought that O'Connor, it wouldn't have let us, there's more to that story. But, uh, if we hadn't have bought that, it wouldn't have led us to this 20 unit. That's what I love about that. That's happened to me so many times that even sometimes a like a deal that doesn't go where I want it to go leads me to, to something else. When I'm at Renegade Detroit Investors, I get a sea of people coming up to me with like all these anxieties and fears and like, how do I know which way to go forward? And the point I keep making is go forward and you will find a way. And I love that Correct. story that this one little, it wasn't really crappy, but it was dumpy, you know, yeah. little house that you made beautiful yeah. led to the lead that gave you a 20 unit apartment complex that seems to be how real estate and business works in life quite often anyway and i love that that little house led to 20 units so let's talk about these 20 units though sure it sounds like a longer negotiation which happens a lot yeah. right especially with with multi units do you mind talking about how that deal kind of came about Sure. Yeah. This one, um, it, it's, it's a little bit longer story cause it's, uh, it was a long process, unfortunately. But, I love it. Let's do it. Yeah. So, um, you know, you all mean the, they just didn't give it to you and you immediately had it the next day and you had to work really hard to get it. Yeah. And imagine they, that they, you know, it didn't cost <laughs> us a dime. Yeah. No, I, I wish that was the case, yeah. but yeah, un- unfortunately, you know, real, uh, get rich slow is, yes. is really real estate. And, uh, you know, so in 2017, we couldn't come to terms. We walked away. Um, no hard feelings, no, no big deal. But, you know, in the end of 2017, I ended up quitting my job, well, early 2018, but made the decision to quit my job. 
Um, so early 2018, we went back to the seller and because we thought, well, you know, what, this isn't a perfect deal. It needs a lot of heavy lifting. It's out of our comfort zone because it, it was, you know, $125,000 down payment. Um, so it really was, it, it was a lot for us. Um, but we thought, well, if not this, then what? And you know what? We've, we've made things happen in the past. We can make this happen. We know, we knew we could. Um, so we just made a decision. This is a good deal. There's a ton of upside in this deal. Um, it's a huge value add. Um, it's just been neglected. So we thought, well, why, if, if it's not this, then what? And we made the decision, you know what? It's this. Let's pursue it. So we, in 2018, we started negotiations again. I think it was in April. And uh, we gave him a LOI, letter of intent. And it took him a month to get it back to us. Um, then we gave him a PSA, purchase and sale agreement. It took him another month to get that back to us. So we thought, well, now we got the the uh, PSA. We're we're cruising. This is going to be no big deal. We we actually got the title work back, and there was two issues. Uh, one in March. This is I think June now. In March, um, it already went to court, and they already uh, the county already took the property over. Mm. So. She that was the last second. That huh? was huge. Yeah. So basically it was gone. So Monica caught that and she dug into it, called the county. Uh, we did really literally everything on this. Uh, called the county and she found out he had 10 days to pay $50,000 or it was over. That's it. There's no more um, getting it back. So she called him. We you know, had to convince him, hey, this is this is the truth. So it was one day before the deadline. He ended up paying it. And save the deal. So we're we're still in the game. So that was just, uh, you know, pretty nerve wracking. That is very nerve wracking. That's so, something that changed in two thousand and fourteen. Okay. Believe it or not, before two thousand fourteen, you could actually negotiate with Wayne County literally up until like the day of the auction, and they would take it out. Oh, wow. And they changed all those rules and those hard, because I had a, a Rosedale Park deal that died right then because of the same thing. We missed it by a day. Ugh. And I didn't think it was a big deal, because we just go down there and negotiate. Yeah. No, that was when they'd flip the switch. No, yeah. now it's a big deal. Done. Yeah. Done yeah. and over with. We don't care. That. <laughs> so yeah, that was like a hard, hard, hard uh, deadline. It, it actually matters now. So he paid it, right? Yeah, he he paid it, and you know we're thinking, well, how, what are we going to do to keep this alive? But luckily, he went down, paid it with one day to go. So we were back in the game. Then now here comes the next title issue. Um, he had a lien on the property, so he took a mortgage out in 2005. Didn't get a release of lien, which isn't a big deal. Uh, you know, we'll just get the release of lien. Well, the uh, lender went out of business in 2011. Big deal. This turned into a huge deal. Yeah. This is a pain in the ass. Yeah. So now we got to take this to court uh, to get the release of the lien. Um, he hired an attorney. The attorney took two months even to file the court paperwork. I have no idea why, but this is with us prodding the whole time. Hey, give him a call. We need to get this moving. Um, took two months. Finally, he got it into the uh, court system. That took four months. Um you know, and the whole time, you know, we basically had no idea what was going to happen with this. Um, I mean, was he going to change his mind, the seller? Was this going to go not going to, uh, were we not going to be able to relieve this uh, lien? Um, so, I mean, and I, I say we, Monique and I really sat down on the floor a couple times in front of the couch and just held hands and prayed to God and said, hey, whatever happens, 
we accept it. You know, we're just happy to be in this position. A lot of people don't even get this far. And whatever happens, we accept it. And we'd really like to have this property, but if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. Um, so that's kind of the mindset we had this whole time. Um, it was very discouraging. Um, so going through this, uh, we finally got to the court date in January. It was January 9th. Now keep in mind in March again, he's going to have to pay another huge tax sum. Uh, so the deadline is just it, looming. It's looming. So we're, we're really, <laughs> we're here frightened. again. This deal is just dragging on. It, it's we're here again. And I don't know if, you know, it's going to be able to save, be able to be saved this time. So, uh, Monica goes to the court date and she's texting me. She's in court. Um, she figured well, we'll go there. So we know right away what happens with this release of lien. Um, then she ends up calling me and she said, the lawyer didn't show up. I go, you, you're, so what does that mean? Nothing. They called the case and he wasn't there. So she went and talked to the clerk and they're like, well, if he's not here, there's nothing we can do. We'll have to make another court date. And so we're freaking out. Like, I, I cannot believe this. We waited six months to get to this point and he didn't show. So she went back in and just sat. It, it was, uh, I mean, I mean, it was just so frustrating and nerve wracking. She went back in, sat in the court and they called it again. And I guess the doors were open at that point and he was in actually in the hallway. He was there the whole time. He just didn't hear it called the first time. So oh my God. The, then he came in at That's this like point. like a movie. Right? Oh, it, right? it was it's torturing you a little bit more. Horrible. So <laughs> then he came in at that point and uh, that was it. Boom. Release the lien. So then we had to wait. I think it's 29 days. What, however many days. I'm probably wrong. Um, Did you give him 20 days. guy for like sitting out there? No, we never. She rode down with him in the elevator too. Yeah. She said, and she's like, I thought about saying Monica, something. Monica, you're, you're way too nice. But, she is. But good for she's, you. Good for she's you. A, she's a great... Uh, <laughs> Businesswoman and uh, yeah, great. I would person, have been eye so. fucking them hard. Like yeah, you tortured me in there for how long? Oh yeah. So <laughs> she didn't say anything, which which is great. It's and the right move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh. So we had that. So then we got our closing date, and um, the other thing was you know three signatures away, or at the closing table, we're three signatures away, and you know the owner put put the pen down for a minute and said, well, wait a minute. I th- I thought it was six hundred and fifty thousand dollars, not six hundred and twenty-five. And we go, oh no! And I thought, oh no! How many signatures make it valid? It, the reason being because he was supposed to fix the roof. Um, it's a thirty thousand dollar roof, and he said he'll take care of that. He'll fix it. So during the due diligence, we said to him, hey, you know, you're why haven't you fixed the roof? What what's your plan? And he said, well, I decided I'm not going to fix it. And we said, well. That's fine, no big deal, but you know, we're going to have to knock that that price off. And he said, "Yeah, that's fine." So we came up with uh 25,000. Um we said, "That's fine. The 5,000 will eat that." So um we were good with that. So we had an agreement, everything's written down, you know, we have um, you know, everything's legal and you know, he just had forgotten, right? So I told him I'm like, "Hey, this has been a 9-month process. I understand." So we explained it and he's like, "Yep, you guys are right. Sorry about that, but you know, it, it took so long that three uh, signatures. Wait a second. Oh. I thought that was supposed to be for more. No, just keep signing." Yeah, yeah, it was uh and and you know what? He's a great guy. We're still friends with him to this day and uh it, it worked out well for him um because, you know, now we're in there and he's it's a land contract, so now he's getting a check, you know, on time every month and he doesn't have to deal with all the hassle. Um, so it ended up being a, a, 
really nice for both of us. But uh, yeah, it was the the whole process um, from when we first got the tip at the O'Connor house to closing was about three years. Uh, so it was about a three-year process and closing itself took nine months. Um, and it just was, it was tough because the whole time I didn't feel like we were doing anything. Um, our monies were all tied up, so we couldn't invest in anything else. We couldn't do anything else. And the whole time we weren't sure if we were going to get this building. So huge risk, right? Waiting game, nine months, parked capital, no returns, all your effort and energy going into this. All down to the last three signatures when he asked. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was supposed to be six hundred fifty thousand. Uh, yeah, and it, we we you know in the whole time I'm I really wasn't I, I didn't want to broadcast to everybody you know hey we got this uh, this deal locked up because I you never know what can happen so we kind of didn't want to talk about it too much so it was it just seemed like we really weren't doing anything and and that's tough uh, for for an investor um, but the thing I was doing was. Uh, I was reading, you know, reading books on multifamily, um, attending meetings. I was growing personally, um, you know. And in in 2017, we started our website. Um, we got our our business together. We so what I was doing this whole time, which is also tough because, you know, you're you're planning this, but you don't see the end. Um, what I thought was, I want to get this. I want to get our company in a position where when we close on this, we can hit the ground running. Um, so that's what I was working on, networking, investor relations the whole time. Um, there was no investors on this deal, uh, but this is kind of this is kind of our brag book. We're going to show people what we did on this deal. So um, I'd been working on that the whole time. So it didn't seem like and feel like I was doing a lot. But looking back, I, I was really every night I was uh, I was really getting things done to grow this business. Um, and then the minute we closed. Um, you know, our website, bluerockcapital.net is up, you know, our company was, was up and running. Um, and we already had investors. We have a lot of interest, um, uh, for future deals. So, um, you know, looking back, I, I really was doing things, but again, it, it really didn't seem like I was doing a lot, unfortunately. A three year, 20 unit apartment building deal off of a lead from a, I'm not going to say shitty, but tough. Uh, wholesale deal that needed a lot of work yeah, as correct. a rental, including two basement walls, apparently. Yeah. Which, yep. which sucks. Yep. Fast forward 20 units. So didn't you guys go from 11 units then to 31? Well, no, we. Or how many more did you. My math must be wrong. So somewhere. March 2017, we decided um, to go full multifamily. No more, um, you know, no more single families. And what we did was we evaluated our portfolio of 11 units. We, we looked at area, uh, where they're at, tenant base, different things like that. Excuse me. And, um, we, we actually saw that we're spending 90% of our time on 10% of our units. Mm. Um, we knew the market was hot. We knew, you know, obviously like everybody, one day there's going to be some kind of adjustment. We knew that, right? So we thought, do we want to own some of these units, if the mark, if the market turned tomorrow, do we want to own these? What if we had to own them for 10 years? Is that something we're willing to do? And the answer was no. Um, like I said, 90% of our time was spent on these 10. So we decided to sell them, um, the three unit and then the single family, uh, on O'Connor. So we sold those. And then we also sold Monica's condo just because of distance. 
um, it was just too far away for us I to, love that, to right? manage. Cent- get closer. Correct. Right? Centralize a little bit. Correct. So that that's what we uh, did, and then we were down to six. So now we're down to six um, single-family – well, one's a, a side-by-side duplex. So you tripled um, your number of units in one one purchase, right? So six units to 26 units. That's pretty good. Yeah, 26 now. Yeah. You say – well, the reason I said that because it said you seemed like you were doing nothing for nine months, but really you're working on 20 deals in nine months, right? Like, And then the you know, second you're you right. close, <laughs> you're right. you go from six where to were 26. You, where were you nine months ago to explain that to me? <laughs> Too busy yeah. working. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. We should talk more. Yeah. I don't. I'm terrible about that. And, I just work. You know? And we, we did sell those units during that time period yeah. too. So we were – selling. So you're busy? Um, yeah, we we were looking back now. Um, well, I like you were doing the foundational work too cuz you're right. If you pull off a 20 unit apartment building, for sure people are going to want to do business with you. Like that's just especially if you do it right. Yes. Right? Like that's that is going to attract investors, partners, employees, people who want to work with you. Like so you were you you knew that in advance. And you're like, "Well, while we're waiting, Correct. Let's get everything tight. Let's get what we want. Let's get our website up because we know as soon as this happens, we're going to be ready. So I like that you were you were doing that well. I almost never do that. I should. <laughs> yeah, I should. I'm yeah. better at selling than I am at a lot of other things. Yeah. <laughs> the, the God's honest truth on a lot of this stuff. So I like that you are planning ahead on that and thinking about it too. Does uh, Monica still have a job or is she doing this full-time now too? She's doing this full-time. She quit Dude, um, awesome. Yeah, a couple of years ago. She's – and I mean this is a full-time job. Um, so you're like me and my wife. There's not yeah. many of us. There's like Tommy. Yep, yep. And, and uh, me, you – there's like these couples that actually get together. That was why I was trying to get yeah. on the podcast. We're going to get you back on, Monica. Yes, for It's sure. cool. You're like a couple doing work in real estate too and you're both all in on it. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you could take me out of the equation and, and she'd hit the ground running. You know, my, my biggest part, she handles all the day to day lease signings, showings. She's handling contractors. Obviously I can't be there during the day. Um, but she's handling all that. I'm really acquisitions, investor relations, um, is more my end of it. Um, what I focus on now I am involved in, you know, because since I'm in the property management space, you know, we do have, when I get home from work, you know, we work on our business. Um, so I really literally do property management all day Yeah, and we'll, you know, have discussions and, and things like that. And, um, you know, she'll pick my brain about a couple of issues or certain situations. Um, but yeah, she really, uh, she really handles all the day to day, which is fantastic. We are 50, 50% partners legitimately. Well, if it's not going to get you in trouble, it will, <laughs> I'm going to ask a few questions down that line because sure. one of the downsides to working with your love life partner forever is an introduction of stressors that might not oh, yeah. ordinarily be there. Yes. Right. And if you haven't gone through this before, it could be, it could be challenging at least from my, I think it's worth it. Like I'm not saying yeah. it's not worth it, but it does come correct with um, oh, yeah. some challenges. Like for instance, with Gina and I, we have very different risk behaviors and mm-hmm. risk aspects, right? So I am high risk mm-hmm. all the time, right? And I've yep. managed to moderate myself to like medium by yep. controlling my brain, and my wife's like super low risk, right? Yeah. So, there are some challenges doing this. If you don't mind, if it won't get you in trouble. No, no, not at all. If you had a few challenges and how'd you guys work through them, even if it wasn't like, how did you separate 
the duties and still kept home life relatively good. Um, there was, there was, a, you know, not, not a lot, but there was, you know, yeah, we'd, we'd get in fights. It was more on my end too. Um, you know, I was really frustrated, you know, in the early beginning as well, um, you know, with my job and I, I wanted to grow in real estate and, um, I didn't have a lot of the answers, but I was just, like I said, naive enough to believe and do what Josh said to do. And, you know, a lot of our discussions, my wife's more, she's our CFO and she's more numbers driven, you know, let's see some results let, or let, like let's see wife. some things on paper. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I'm real passionate, man. You get up and you give me a great speech, man. I'm going to, you know, be excited as excited let's as do I it. Am. Yeah. We'll that, do it. That's how I am. Yeah. So, you know, at that time I was, uh, man, I'm just ex- inspired. And she'd say, well, you know, well, how does it work? How does it, you know, how does a blanket loan work? You know? And I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. You know, at the early, in the early stages I do now, yeah. but, um, just different things like that where, um, you know, but, but that was, um, she always had a level head through the whole thing. Um, no matter what I'd say, like when I called her and said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to buy this now. All right, let's do it. Uh, Hey, we're going to have to take on a lot of debt. All right, let's do it. Um, you know, and she'd sit down, put numbers together. So we didn't blindly go at anything. Um, but you know, yeah, there was a lot of struggle. Anytime you work together like that, um, be prepared for it, but be committed to each other. Um, you know, there's also a lot of, uh, you know, it, it's so rewarding that, you know, my wife and I talk about our business, our goals yeah, for the, cool. the future. Yeah. yeah and, and how many people can do that? So, you know, it, it's just exciting. Where are we going to live? What are we going to do? Where do we want our next property to be? Um, you know, those are the conversations we have every day. I would rather have those two. And if you're thinking about which direction to go, I would rather have all that than have the uninterested partner. Yeah. Right? Like if you're looking at it, it is a little bit of a, of a challenge, but I think it's so much better as you pointed out, cause you're on the same page. You can have these conversations with your partner, which is why I think it's cool. You guys do this together. Um, I think it's worth it. And I think that's one of the reasons why you guys probably went further faster too. I mean, you literally had two people working on the same goal moving forward, you know? I, I agree. That helps, you know? Yeah. People think that they didn't think of like if their husband's not interested or their wife's not interested, they're kind of doing it on their own, you know? And mm-hmm. in our case, we have wives that are very interested. That yeah. helps a lot. Like Gina does all the money stuff. Yep. All the taxes, right? She yeah, keeps me right, you know? Yep. Like when I'm out there just crushing shit, doing yep. stuff. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. Maybe go this direction here. This uh, So it is nice and I enjoy it immensely. Yeah. And it, you know, the other huge factor is, um, you know, when I get down or get discouraged or when I feel we're not doing anything or whatever, she's there to lift me up, uh, which, which is huge. She doesn't get down often, just occasionally. Um, but I'm more the emotional side, but you know, I, I remember one day she was down about something before we closed and you know, the, the deal obviously. And, you know, I was kind of down too. And she goes, Hey, this isn't your day to be down. You know, it's mine. And I said, you, you know what? You're right. I love it. You're yeah. right. Today's, I said, we're going to kill it. We're going to crush it. We're going to, you know, and she was right. It was my day to lift her up, uh, which doesn't happen too often, but uh, that's kind of what we do. We we lift each other up and you really need that. Without that, um, I don't know how successful I, I would be on my own. Probably not very because she's, um, you know, 
she's that uh, balance that that we all so need, you know, in our relationships. Well, I know she's busy, but everybody, next time you see Monica, remind her that we would love to have her on the podcast for sure, and have her yep. back on because I would love to go into this more. I've actually done another podcast. For people listening, if you haven't listened to it, we called it The Wives. So that's where Tommy Desmond and I, he had his lovely wife, Kate, on, and I had my lovely wife, Gina, on, and we discussed yep. the business. I would like to do that again with you guys at some point, more For more sure. couples. Yeah. like. I'd like to encourage more couple, especially if maybe you're not interested in your spouse's work and you'd maybe like to get a little bit more interested. I try and do it with Gina too, with her yoga. It's a little bit harder for me to get into <laughs> yoga, but I do try, you know, yeah. I, I, I'd like to encourage that kind of thing here. I'm going to check our time. I know you have a hard, uh, all right, it's one We're doing pretty good. Oh yeah. You got to leave. Okay. Perfect. Um, well, let's talk about the future. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So you got bluecapital.net. Blue Rock Capital. Blue Rock Capital.net. Sorry. Yep. Blue Rock Capital.net. Yep. You got 26 units. You're working on your first 20 unit building. Obviously, you have some sort of plan about the future in place. Let's talk about that. What do you think the future holds for you, Grant? Correct. So uh, we have some pretty big goals in mind. Um, you know, with this building alone, the nice thing with this building three days ago, uh, I had a broker call me and offer me, uh, you know, n- not so much offer, but just a verbal, Hey, I can get, the, I can get you 825,000 for this right now. Um, which was nice to hear. Right. But you know, my, I already told them there, there's there's so much value out here that that no way sir yeah that it's not a great idea it's a three year deal yeah <laughs> I'm not it, giving it away for jump yeah chance. not not for that so you know I I told him hey if you want to put a crazy number on it because everybody's should it should have a number right to get me out of this deal right now today one point two million um and that would get me out of it um is it realistic at this point it, it's probably a little unrealistic but I figure why not throw a crazy number out there um. So I did, um, but it, it was nice. We had a nice conversation. We've kept in touch uh, since. Um, but you know, our goal with this building, we're going to put short-term debt on it, uh, long-term if it qualifies, it, it, option A and B, or we're going to sell it because uh, our goal is to grow. We don't want to, if we put short-term or long-term on this debt, we don't want to kill cash flow. Um, as Michael Zuber says, alligators, right? You don't want uh, property you got to feed mm. every month. So um, we don't want to do that, but we, we do have a lot of options. We just signed two leases. Um, it's been about a month, I think now we've owned it a little over and we just, uh, signed two leases. Now we were at 5% vacancy. Now we're at three, I'm, I'm sorry, five vacancies. Now we're at three vacancies, um, $675 a unit. One of them has a, a dog. So that's $25 pet fee. She's at $700. Uh, average rents were four ninety. Mm. Easy math, five hundred. Uh, the fifteen that were there. Um, so we're That's adding a, huge a lot of value, value. add. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, adding a ton of value. So we're we're really going to be in a nice position. We feel um, to reposition this. How long uh, do you think it's going to take to turn? Um, two years, yeah. but we're going to look at next year. We're going to see how many we turned, and you know maybe leave some meat on the vo- the bone for the next guy and maybe maybe sell it. Um you know our our goal is to put together uh a syndication and we're looking to get a bigger property. We 
not that we'd pass on anything smaller in the area that we could we could manage, but we're really looking to uh, put a hundred get a, a hundred unit or bigger so we can um, put management on site. Um, it wasn't, didn't Josh tell me 45 units was the minimum number to a hundred units. No, apparently I was wrong. A hundred units units. is the minimum number to hire somebody who could stay there. Yep. All right. Well, everybody I've been telling 45 units, I'm sorry. That's why you should talk to Josh in the first fucking (laughs) place. Yeah. A hundred units. So (laughs) call Josh Sterling. (laughs) Yeah. Call Josh. I've told like five people, 45 units. I lied. It's a hundred. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yep. So a hundred. Yep. And then we can, uh, you know, put management in place. Um, so that's our goal and where, where it's going to be, you know, we're, we're still figuring that out. Is, is it going to be here or is it going to be somewhere warmer? We're, we're hoping it'd be somewhere warmer, you know, um, her and I are also in a position where we could move, um, you know, wherever we're deciding to, uh, to invest. Um, but that's kind of what we're, we're looking at. We're looking to put a deal together. We're our, our main focus right now is to get this thing hundred percent occupied. So we're looking to do that within the next month. Um, and then we're going to take a month break and just breathe for a second. That's the plan. What, what, if it's going to be a month, it's probably not going to be, but <laughs> let's just say a month, we're going to breathe for a minute. And then what we're going to do is we're going to reevaluate, um, where all our tenants at are at with their, rent payments and, you know, we're going to reevaluate all of our tenants. So we don't want to buy this and just come in and just start, uh, shooting from the hip, right? We, we have a, a plan in place. Um, you know, if, if we have a tenant that's paying $450 a month, uh, it's going to take years to get him up to $600 a month. Yeah. Um, it's just not realistic. So we have to evaluate that and say, what's the best solution here? uh, for us, for the tenant as well. You know, the tenants are our customers. We really feel that that's one thing I learned, um, from my early days in real estate. Um, it, it taught me that I can, I can still, uh, I can treat people really well. Um, I can uh, get my point across and I, I can still be fair, but, uh, on the other end, you know, people need to do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. So, that's what I've learned. That's why we've had good relationships with our tenants. We do what we say, and therefore they do what they say. Um, and like I said, our, they're they're our number one customers. So uh, that that's going to be our goal is to um, evaluate the situation and move forward. Um, and then in early spring to late summer, we're going to um, start looking at our next our next uh, purchase. Dude, that is awesome. So twenty units into a hundred units, hmm, yeah, that sounds like, uh, and about a two year turnaround. I like that yeah. you're looking somewhere warm too. So you've you've broadened where you're looking for multifamily significantly outside. Correct. Of. Where are you looking? I might as well ask. People are listening, right? Yeah. Well, I I tell you the truth, we're kind of all over literally the map right now. We really haven't pinpointed anything down yet. Obviously, there's hot areas everybody's investing in. Um, I really like Texas, but Texas is, you know, really hot, Same, <laughs> literally, yeah. but yeah, the market itself. But, um, you know, what some things we're looking at, you know, like 500,000 people or, or more um, in an area. We also want, we want at least 10 property management companies or so in that area. Um, if you go and invest in, let's say, well, this is interesting. So you're approaching from like a population and like a business saturation point, like, there's enough 
property managers I can hire one. There's enough people. It's worth doing. Correct. Okay. Because uh, what happens if you let, let's use, no, I, I don't know a lot. I'm just using, let's just say, um, Tecumseh, right? Um, I don't know anything about that market, but I'm just throwing it out there. Um, but let's say you have a property there. Um, and let's say there's only one property management company in the area and they're doing a horrible job on your property. If you fire them, yeah. what's your option? You got to do it or something, right? right? Yeah. And, and if you don't live close, you're in trouble. So property management coming from property management is my first thought. Who's going to manage the property? Anybody, anybody, any, anytime anybody tells me they, they have a building or whatever, my first question, well, who's going to manage it, right? So whether it's her and I um, doing it with our, you know, our systems in place, uh, that's an option. But what we like better is if we we bought it um, somewhere in in that area, five hundred thousand people or more, with uh, around ten property management companies or so. If one doesn't work out, um, we have an option. We have a plan B. So you know, and what we would have is a plan B, C, D, and E. Um, multiple exit strategies. Multiple. Yeah. And the with the last plan being, you know, her and I would take over and uh, put our management in place. I love that you said that because that was. The first time I lost everything, I only had one exit strategy, and the exit strategy involved refinancing. So when all the banks stopped doing loans, my business died like immediately. Yep. The only good thing about it was how fast it was. But yeah, I only had one exit strategy. That's really shitty. One exit strategy is bad. <laughs> yeah. You want as many as you can you Correct. can have because you never know what's going to happen. Um, well, so you're just kind of open – Everywhere to a certain extent where you're looking right now, it sounds like as so long as there's 10 property managers and 500,000 people, you're willing to take a look-see at it, right? And yeah, and that's the goal. Now, if it happens to be somewhere here local to us, um, you know, maybe we put, you know, people in place and we manage it. Yeah. Um, but, but we have those options with is, which is nice. You know what I mean? We don't, we don't, um, we don't have plan A and that's it. Um, we're going to be beholden to a property management company or, or, you know, we, we have the option we could do it ourselves, which I like. So I, I like to be able to look at a certain area and know, Hey, we could handle this or someone else could, um, you know, that's my day to day is property management. So I have the background in it. So I, you know, it, it's not something that isn't unrealistic at all. Um, like I said, you know, we are the largest property we, manages 144 units. Um, so it's, it really wouldn't be a, a, a stretch at all for us to do it. But, you know, I do like the idea of having someone else do it and me oversee them. Well, also it seems like, you know, you're kind of hunting whales, right? They're just less whales. Sure. So exactly. at some point you do have to like make some sort of geographical mm -hmm. decision. Otherwise you're greatly limiting your, your number of opportunities, right? Correct. So if I only manage my own properties, well, then that puts a pretty strong limitation on your growth. Correct. Right? Yeah. Okay. I see where you're going with that. That's interesting. BlueRockCapital.net. Correct. Let's talk about that. Yep. I know, and you're free to make a pitch as well because now you have 20 units and you're working and all that. What is the future there? Do we have to throw any disclaimers for – Credited investors only. I don't want to get you in trouble, but I do want to talk about it. No, it's bit. it's uh, credited or uh, sophisticated. Yes, and right. um, we just have to have a relationship with them. Um, and you know, we're always looking to build relationships. Like you know, I'm investor relations. Um, and and again, with this company, with Blue Rock Capital dot, uh, dot net, 
I'm looking to add value. So I'm looking to find like-minded people that are interested in owning an apartment building. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that have the cash that probably really uh, don't realize that they could own an apartment building, just like I did at one point in life. You know, I didn't, how am I ever going to buy a 20 unit apartment? I know it wasn't even that long ago. No, it wasn't. So it's kind of amazing. (laughs) It's, uh, you know, and that, so that's kind of what we do. We just kind of get the message out there. Hey, by partnering and pooling our money together, we can take down and we could take down a $10 million deal. Um, so that's really what we're trying to do. And I'm, I'm just trying to add value to our investors. The one we have, the ones we have now and, uh, the ones in the future by giving them returns, helping them achieve their goals, and um, really saying, here's here's what we're looking to do. Does it align? Is there an alignment of interest? Does it meet your goals? If so, um, great. Let's do a deal, uh, deal together. And, you know, my whole goal is to add such a tremendous amount of value to people that one day, um, you know, it'll just be a referral-based uh, company, you know, um, and we'll be able to fill all our deals just off our uh, referrals and off our, um, you know, our investors we have. I have no doubt that you'll be able to do that. That's like after 11 years of doing this, it's like 90% of my business is referrals yep. <laughs> and you're, you're freaking halfway there already. So like, two, <laughs> yeah, 2014, four or five years, yep. man, you guys are crushing it. I'm being cognizant of the time. Is there anything you want to talk about? Then we haven't talked about. It could be anything. It could be books, blogs, pitches, encouragement, whatever you want to talk about. Now's kind of the time where we could talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um, you know, I, I just think, you know, reading books, I think going to meetups, I think things like that are huge. Um, one thing that's been a book that's been big to me is uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People because this is a people business. Um, it teaches you, um, you know, how to really be a better listener, um, just how to be a better person in general. And I, I think that's huge. People like to do business with people they like. Um, so I, I think that's big. The other, uh, another great book I read was, uh, it's by Joe Fairless and Theo Hicks, the best ever apartment syndication book. If you're uh, interested in apartment syndications, uh, whether being a sponsor or passively investing in one, um, I'd recommend that book, maybe getting some more knowledge on it. Um, but I, you know, I, I think meetups and networking, I, those have been huge for me. Um, I met you years ago, uh, when the meetups were in Detroit and, um, you know, it's just building these relationships over time. These are the people you're, you're, you know, you spend your time with and you grow with, um, in your business. Uh, so I just want to encourage people to um, attend these meetups and develop these relationships and give back as much value as possible. And if anybody ever wants to reach out to me, they can at uh, grant at bluerockcapital.net. Um, ever since we bought this building, I think every weekend, just about, we've had um, an investor or someone starting out come out to the property and I've shown them around and talked numbers and, and done different things like That's that. That's real cool. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I always, someone took time with me yeah. and, um, when, when I had nothing to give back and, and not that these people don't, it's just that I, I still, that's how I want to add some value to people. And so if they're looking to get into it or whatever, I walk them around, show them numbers. This is how much we spent on this unit. Um, this is what we're doing in this unit, the flooring, um, you know, different things like that. So, um, you know, I'm always open to talk real estate or, um, investing or what, what have you. 
yeah, you turned a little wholesale deal in three years into a 20-unit apartment yeah. complex via networking, right? With your help. And yeah. asking questions. Yeah, right? Do you correct. know anybody who's – that's why I love that story, that that one little house correct. can turn into a 20-unit apartment complex because you decided to open your mouth and ask the inspector if you know anybody. Like, I love that story. Correct. So. We, we also have uh, – you know, it just – Talking to people, I, I got an, I can't go into too much detail, um, but we also ran into a situation years ago um, where we were going to purchase a property, and uh, a, six months before that, we happened to talk to the neighbor, and um, you know, a long story short, we were going to purchase this property. The neighbor actually told us that, uh, hey, there's an issue over here with the, you know, with this certain issue with the house, and um, if we hadn't. A, made that connection six months previously. And I, I can't really go into that because I told it said I wouldn't, but don't. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if we hadn't uh, stopped and made that connection, um, it was uh, a connection that saved us $15,000 early on in our investing career. Um, and it would have killed us. Yes. So that was just the point of just seeing somebody out uh, rehabbing a house. We stopped and talked to him and lo and behold, it paid off and I'm uh, still friends to this day. So it, it, networking and letting people know what you're doing and um, just trying to give back. That's uh, yeah. well, I have enough confidence to ask people about it too. You know, like, correct. Shit. You didn't even, you, you didn't know what you were doing that well three years ago no. when you asked, but you Not fucking asked and yep. look, now you got a 20 unit apartment building, right? Yep. Correct. Yeah. And it was hard because good deals are hard to get done sometimes too. It was a challenge and, you had to really work at it to get it done. That's kind of the way that, that stuff goes. I, I get annoyed at people like, well, these deals are so hard. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't had anybody just walk up and no. hand me a handful of cash yet. I'm not saying it's never going to happen, yeah. but I'll probably start looking behind me when it does. Yeah. They're probably getting set up. Yeah. All the money is hard work. Yeah. You know? And you know, and another thing to point out too, because even in my uh, career, when I first started out, I, I always heard, well, you know, they they did it in 2010, or they did it in 2000. Oh, stop with uh, that shit. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the point. I didn't do it in 2010. I no. did it in 2000, uh, December 9th, 2014. We bought our first property, so we were even hearing that back then. So now it's 2019, and you know, I'm sure people are going to say, "Well, he he bought in 2014," which you're going to say that no matter what. If you never buy anything, you're always going to look back and say, "Oh, I should have done something then." Um, the other thing I, I, I see a lot of is everyone's looking for the secret. Like everyone yeah. wants to know, like, tell me what, what's the, the hidden piece of information, the right number of words in the order, like a spell. If I say them, it'll all be okay. Yes. Yeah. And no. it, there, there isn't anything. It's no. just move forward. Yes. And, and that's what it is. Just continually move forward. There's no secret sauce. It's. You need to just move forward and and buy something. You know, if you need to start on a smaller level, start start small, like I did. And um, you know, Monique and I purchased our first house. It was sixty five thousand, and um, you know, that was a great space for us to start in. Beginnings are small, and they're usually messy too. That's oh yeah, the, that's what I, the best part about it. Actually, I think all the fun stuff is messy. You know? Yeah. Like you think of all the stuff you look back on. Do you look back on all the stuff that went really well and super smooth? And when you tell that story, or is it like the jungle story where you barely got out alive that you're telling the story? You know, like that's that's the real story. All right. Is there anything else you want to share? Uh, no, actually, I just uh, one day I think you need to do a podcast on your story. By the way, unless it's out there and I've missed it, because you have it's a not. tremendous story. I happen no. to know 
pieces of it just yes. from knowing you over the years. It's but brutal too. That is a fantastic story. So I'd like to it's encourage gonna have to be that. A multiple part. Actually, I would love to do that. I've been waiting for the right person because I don't okay. think it's right. I interview myself. Got it. Yep. I also don't think I would ask myself. I know this is ironic, but mm-hmm. I don't think I would ask myself a lot of the questions that somebody else would ask me. Yeah. And I might not necessarily volunteer if I wasn't. Uh, yeah. I'm still working. Working on a, on a lot of this stuff. Okay, so I'll volunteer Tommy Desmond. I would love I would love you. to do it at some point. I think it would be good. I still have statue of limitations on some shit too. I would like to bring up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, so I think I have another year on that. Okay, great. Yeah. Can't be too careful, but yeah, I would love to because it's it's a horror story of what not to do. That is one of the things why I like to point out: don't go back to zero, mm-hmm. like. Go, when you lose everything, starting over is so much harder, right? And this mm-hmm. is something um, – and all the investment books you read, why you have to protect your – because if you're out of the game, you're mm-hmm. no longer playing the game and it takes you longer to get back in the game. Yeah. I did something so horrific that it took me a couple of years to get back in the game and I'm still working towards zero, you know? Mm-hmm. Don't do that. <laughs> it's a lot easier if you just – if you skip that, so – Well, I do want to thank Grant for his time today. I really appreciate it. And Monica, we're happy you're out there working hard. Maybe next time, but that is his life partner and is also involved with this. If you're interested in checking out what they have, go to bluerockcapital.net. You can also send Grant an email, grant at bluerockcapital.net. Dot net. If you're interested, I highly recommend you check out what he's doing. And he's on social media too. He didn't give me all that stuff, but you can, you can go look Facebook. Him up. Yeah. yeah. He's on there. So Grant Warrington. Yeah. Yep. On Facebook. All right, folks, as I wrap up this podcast, I do want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I know there are a lot of distractions, mistakes, poisonous people. Maybe you're like Grant and I. You go screw up your life a little bit first, right? (laughs) And then get the shit back together. That's right. It's not too late. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. I remember when one of my goals was just to brush my teeth that day. I know how low life can get you. But I do want to encourage you to pick something. Pick a goal. Stick with it. Don't give up. And do something every day that gets you a little closer to your goals, even if it's one step. All right? And I want to, I appreciate you listening. I really do appreciate your attention until the next podcast or the next meeting. Crush it.